Smith will keep it. He dives for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs Kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. Hey, that was a good start. Hey, that was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. Steve Martin Show live from the Westgate of Las Vegas, the world-famous Superbook. No better place to be on a Friday or any day, especially on a weekend, especially on a football championship weekend. And that's what we got for you here today at the world-famous Superbook. Marco D'Angelo in the house joins me like he does each and every Friday. Marco, what is happening? Uh, Big sports weekend, uh, TC, and... I don't know which restaurant it's coming from, but something smells good here on the sportsbook floor. There it is. Let's see. To our right, uh, we've got uh, the food court with uh, many great options there. You can get your burgers. You can get your tacos. You can get your pizza. And, of course, uh, just down the way, my friend, uh, you know, we've got the Ed Steakhouse. we got a little uh, Fresco Italiano. you got it all happening here. There you go. At the uh, place the, to be. Yeah, we love the Westgate, no question. Speaking of the Westgate, uh, John Murray will be joining us today. Him and Jay Cornegay always join us here on Thursdays and Fridays, but here at the Westgate on Friday, John will join us today, and we will talk about the latest line movements for all the games on the college side and the NFL side. So uh, make sure you hang tight for that. And, of course, as per usual, our best bet segment comes uh, towards the end of the show. We give you our three best college plays, our three best NFL plays, plays and uh, the entire crew i must say have uh, been on fire including the man who is uh, uh 2000 miles away in uh, at the espn studios in trevor manage and my man right here these two feet to my left marco d'angelo uh, was it a, a, a five and one week for you last week it was a five and one week right. and the only one we lost and i'm still ticked off about <laughs> it because it was my only loss on sunday and in the contest that i were in atlanta throwing the interception inside the five yard line at the end of the game uh down there to score and uh, tip ball intercepted in the end zone end of the game so uh, it's been a good run and uh We'll tell Trevor those footsteps he's hearing. I'm coming at him. <laughs> <laughs> now you, you know, for those longtime listeners, they understand how crazy that may sound because Trevor's usually, you know, <laughs> you know, links and links behind as we turn for the uh, three quarter pole, you know. Yeah. But uh, hey, he's having a great year, and, and all of our cappers are having a good year. It's been fun. We had a little, like, two, three-week stretch where the NFL uh, was really dicey, and uh, we came through that, and it's been a good two weeks. We went four and two the week before. So seeing things well, and hopefully it carries over into the conference uh, championships. This so have you, been, have you been making your picks or, or, or working out in the back freezers in South Philadelphia? Because <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm seeing posts from you, uh, you in a slaughterhouse with, you know, racks of meat. I don't know if you're Rocky Balboa or you're Polly. I mean, you look more like Polly instead of Rocky, but I, I don't know what's going on there, my friend. Uh, yeah, our, Are we going to call you the slaughterhouse man? Yeah, what, what, is that, we're slaughtering the books right <laughs> now, but uh, yeah, from one of the shows that I do uh, this week, our graphics guy uh, did that for me, and for those that don't know, my dad had a slaughterhouse. We had a meatpacking okay. plant, so he tied it all together and put me in there, and, and I can be honest with you. Before the Rocky movie came out, when I was a kid going to my dad's, I I boxed the, the you side. boxed the meat. I boxed the side of me. Every kid, everybody does kid doesn't get a shot to do that. It's like great. You're in the no, you're, you're in the freezer and that. Yeah. Are you actually hitting ribs? You hitting bones? Well, or, or, or are you are you going for the the New York of the fillet side? Uh, well, I'm not. Are you going? I'm not beef. damaging the fillet. Come on. Yeah. You know, I want, <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll jab with the rump roast fillet. <laughs> <laughs> jab with a rope roast. That's outstanding. I can see that. Exactly. So uh, prior to Rocky, prior to 1976, Marco was doing this on the mean streets of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of Pennsylvania. It was uh, quite an interesting uh, childhood. But uh, 
that's where I got my probably why I developed my you know being such a foodie and uh, me and you share lots of food <laughs> photos <laughs> during the course of the week trying to outdo each other. There you go. I know you're 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 uh, you've you're talking about you know coming from behind. I mean you've you've, you've crept up on me pretty good. You can you can match me pretty good. You know, for food picks and I love that too. I love that. It, it happens to be contagious because you know Spitzer is now doing it and other people are, you know other guys are doing it too. So uh, there you go. I, I hey I got Steve. Bullline, you know, you know, texting me pictures now, you know, so, so there it is. So, uh, with all that being said, where, where's the food of choice tonight? Uh, gonna be uh, eating at home tonight. Wife's cooking up some uh, chicken, and then we're taking a uh, little one ice skating. Got the granddaughter over the house. All now. right, look at this. All right, I won't be ice skating. I'll you, be watching. You'll be watching. <laughs> you, you'll be watching some football too. I yeah, hope tonight. Yeah, little, little Utah USC. All right, all right. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, so as soon as we're done, we're heading over to Allegiant Stadium for the Pac-12 championship game tonight between USC and Utah. Big game for so many reasons. Not only is it Pac-12 championship game, and probably, you know, the the biggest Pac-12 championship game that I can remember. And you know, before this game relocated to Las Vegas a few years ago, it, it was really lackluster, especially when they played where the 49ers play there in Santa Clara. You'd be lucky if you get 30, 35,000 fans there. Uh, the game is sold out. Uh, tonight at Legion Stadium. We know that uh, SC travels well, Utah travels well, and Utah fans, they are accustomed to coming to Las Vegas, and they have been for quite some time, obviously playing in the same conference as UNLV for many, many years, coming to the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, you know, this, is, this, this team travels well, and uh, we remember that they were, you know, here last year in this uh, very same game, and uh, I remember it very well when, you know, Utah was playing Oregon and Oregon had a lot of hype. Oregon made a coaching change. Uh, Thibodeau, their, their, you know, strong um, you know, defensive lineman, linebacker, he opted out not to play in the game. And, of course, he was selected very high by, you know, first-round pick for the New York Giants last year. So Oregon didn't show up. And then again, you know. Uh, Utah rolled them, and then Utah went to the Rose Bowl, which I got a chance to go to that uh, on January 1st against Ohio State, and Utah was really in command of that Rose Bowl, and then Ohio State came storming back in the second half and one of the best Rose Bowls uh, that I got a chance to see. So this Utah team is, is very, very dangerous. They're not in the conversation for the college football playoff, but they are going to be ready to play tonight as they take on a USC team who has got playoff on their mind, and Utah they have the motivation to knock the Trojans out of the college football playoff. Well, coming into the season, uh, TC, I was on Utah to win the Pac-12 conference. I liked them coming in. I thought they would repeat. And I've said it several times on your shows that Utah is one of those rare teams in the Pac-12 conference that actually is a physical team more than a finesse team, and they can play some defense. Now, when they have faced the topper, the top offensive teams in the Pac-12 this year, Utah got into some scoring fest. They gave up some some uh, yardage and some points in the games, but they came out on top in most of the games. In the big game, the first meeting between them and USC, they went back and forth. USC jumped out on them early, but they battled back in the second half. And then give them credit. They rolled the dice. When they scored the last touchdown, they could have kicked the extra point in the, the waning minute and just go to overtime, and they opted for the two-point conversion playing at home. Got it, and that is the only loss for USC. And you said that this is the first time that this game seems like it, you know, it really means something. It's because it does. The Pac-12, we know, unless you're undefeated, once in a while with one loss, you're not going to get considered into the the – playoff championship they just whatever you know they of the power five conferences there's no question this is the you know they view the pac-12 as yes. number five yeah okay they do whether it's be you know because of the teams on the west coast and uh, everybody doesn't get to watch all of them like they see all of the other power conferences or the fact that they generally every year beat up on each other and you've got every there's no undefeated team in the conference and they end up with one and two wins and they drop below but this year it's different usc all they got to do is win in their end, and we know what can happen to teams in that situation where they're playing a little bit tight in Utah. Let's face it, house money for them tonight. You know, nobody, they got nothing to lose. Yeah. They can go out and just play loose. You, a lot of people are on USC in this game. USC, a two and a half point favorite. 
uh, saw some money come in on, on Utah earlier in the week, midweek, and this game was USC minus three. Now it's two and a half. And now it depends on the location. It's kind of settling back in at three uh, again, which, which is a fair number. But Utah ha- has had USC's number. You mentioned the game earlier this year, uh, 43-42 Utah wins. And they also beat them last year uh, as well, too. Now, granted, USC was, has been down the last, last couple seasons, hence the, you know, the numerous coaching changes they've made over the last decade yeah. or so. And to your point about the Pac-12 not really being in the conversation of the college football playoff, that's because there's been a lot of inconsistency. I mean, Stanford has dropped off. Washington has dropped off. Even though, even though Washington was pretty good this year and maybe on their way back, uh, but then you know USC has been down and Oregon for the most part uh, has been the strength of the Pac-12 the last few years, but they haven't been able to, you know, to to garner enough attention and enough momentum at the end of the season to propel them into it. UCLA has been a work in progress for a long time. And uh, when they had their showdown against uh, USC this year, USC, you know, got them in a, in a high-scoring affair. So we're just not seeing consistency from these teams or these programs. Now, you go over to the uh, Big Ten, it's Ohio State, it's Michigan. You know what you're getting out of them. You usually have Wisconsin, usually have Iowa. Penn so you State. have four or five teams. Penn State. You know, Penn State's another one. Yeah. There's one. You know, so you got four or five teams consistently that are battling, and they are beating up on each other, like you mentioned. But we really haven't seen that in the Pac-12. And to be honest with you, Marco, I'm not sure that I want to see USC, you know, because what we've seen from Lincoln Riley's team in the, in the past. This looks like a mirror image. And obviously they've got the former Oklahoma quarterback and Caleb Williams who followed Lincoln Riley to USC. High-octane offense. They can get up and down the field. We get it. But the defense is a sieve. No different than the Oklahoma teams that, again, knocked on the door of the college football playoff, and once they got in, they got drilled. And I'm afraid that that could happen again with USC, and I think it'll probably happen again tonight because we saw what Cameron Ising did, the quarterback for Utah, uh, in the earlier uh, outing uh, against uh, USC. 475 yards, five touchdown passes. This Utah team is going to be ready to play tonight. They're coming off scoring 63 points against Colorado last week. Which was, Granted, it's it was Colorado. A, it was a scrimmage for them. It, it, it was. Yeah. And, and USC has been in now their third life-of-death game. Mm-hmm. UCLA, the rivalry two weeks ago. Notre Dame, they're another traditional rivalry for them. And Notre Dame gave them all they can handle. And now they got to get up and travel and come to Las Vegas uh, for a their most meaningful game of the season. So I think it's going to be a fantastic game. But, you know, a lot of people are talking USC. They're talking playoff. They're betting on USC for this game. Uh, do not sleep on the Utah Utes. No, I'm on Utah, and you'll, you'll hear about that later. I can't wait till we get John on um, later because one of the questions to him is going to be, as you said, this line was three. We The ticket count is USC. The public's betting USC. Yet we saw that line move to two and a half for a standalone game. Well, there's one other game tonight uh, in college football, but this is the game. For them to move off of the three to two and a half, you know, it had to take some really sharp money to do that because you know the public's going to come back and grab grab USC, you know. So I always love when you see a number go either north or south of that three and that seven. It takes extra money to move off of that key number or very respected, you know, action. And, I, and that's definitely what I'm seeing, seeing and hearing. I want to see if he confirms it. All right. John Murray will join us here at the bottom of the hour. Remember, our best bet segment comes next hour. We give you our three best college plays, three best NFL plays, and a lot of great, meaningful games, not only just on the college side, but on the NFL side uh, as well, too. Speaking of the NFL, let's talk a little bit about uh, Thursday Night Football and recap that last night. The Buffalo Bills take care of the New England Patriots once again. Uh, Buffalo wins the game 24-10. Josh Allen and Buffalo continue their mastery over the New England Patriots. They've now won five out of the last six games against the Pats, and they've outscored them during this time 95-40. to And Josh Allen has been downright phenomenal when he faces Bill Belichick and the Patriots. 16 touchdown passes and one interception during these meetings over now the last three seasons. 
And I know, Marco, that Buffalo really struggled, uh, you know, with those losses against the Jets and the Minnesota Vikings. And they were kind of life and death on Thanksgiving Day you know, to, to, to the Detroit Lions. And then the week before, that game against Cleveland. Do you think that Buffalo's now turned the corner, and now that the calendar's turned to December, that now we see the playoff mode Buffalo Bills? You're seeing the playoff mode Buffalo Bills, but um, let's go back to that Detroit game. Dan Campbell lost that game. Yes. Buffalo didn't win that game. Campbell lost that game. Um, as far as last night goes, I think the bigger takeaway from last night, more so than Buffalo being back, is New England's not a good team. Uh, you know, they've been relying on their defense. They faced an elite offense last night, just too many playmakers. And whether, you know, Mac Jones has taken a regression uh, in, the, you know, the second year, I like when they drafted him. I thought he was a good fit for New England, but he's not, he's not getting to the next level. You know, you get excitement when you see, you know, a decent first year and you automatically expect them to you know improve in the next and we've seen him take a step backwards he was pitiful last night but again he doesn't have any playmakers on that team that's the difference i didn't want to lay the points with buffalo on the road last night i know there were a lot of sharp guys that were taking the home dog on prime time that's you know generally been a good especially division game but um I went with a, a money line parlay and I hooked Buffalo up last night with uh, Baltimore on Sunday just to win against the, the hapless mm -hmm. Broncos. And it was a parlay that, you know, got me, you know, where I just have to win both games and I'm bringing back even money. It's like a straight bet. Right. So I didn't have a problem with doing that and uh, worked out well for me. But New England's got some offensive problems mm -hmm. moving forward. We saw the Jet game too. We talked about this game uh, yesterday. Uh, the, about the Bills game last night and thought that this this was great value. Did they get Buffalo at only three and a half or four? It seems like good value considering everything you just said, the way the Patriots have been playing and the way you know the Josh Allen and the Bills have dominated the Patriots. And I figured it was going to be a good bounce back game. Granted, it was Thursday night, the road team, but it really wasn't a short week for the Buffalo Bills because they played a week ago. And so, again, I I was just like you, though. I, I, I didn't pull the trigger on laying the four, mm -hmm. and I said I will do a money line parlay. So, you know, I, I got half of it home. So hopefully, you know, the other half comes through. That's a good play on your part uh, with, with, with Buffalo. So that, that's good. I, I took mine to Tulane, which I believe will win against UCF. And, now, and I'm going to get, like, plus 140 plus money, on yeah. this because – they're only a three-and-a-half-point favorite, so it is a little bit more risky. You took the safe play, but we both, in retrospect, probably should have just taken the bills and laid the four last night yeah. for everything that you talked about because I, I said it yesterday, too. Good value, question marks on the on the offensive end for the Patriots, and, and, and the bills look like, okay, calendar turn to December is playoff time for the bills. Yeah, it's, uh, it's scary how we look at the games so similar because <laughs> all of the things that you pointed out, especially the Thursday night, because everybody knows the Thursday night road team mm. um, is at a disadvantage. Not so much when you're playing a division team because you play them twice a year, it's easier to prepare, but... You didn't have the short week. Yeah. Both teams played and not on much Thursday. travel too. When yeah, you're going from from Buffalo to to New, to New England. England, yeah, you know, and they really didn't have much travel for their last three games because they Correct. went from Buffalo to Detroit, Buffalo to Detroit a second time, right? Which I was surprised they didn't just stay in Detroit yeah. on the short week uh, after they short moved flight, and that's why they did it. And it it didn't matter. But again, watching the Thanksgiving Day game against the Lions, it, it was more interesting than I think most people thought it would be. And like you said, Dan Campbell, blame him for that. And, uh, you know, I know people in Detroit like Dan Campbell. They like his, his energy, his enthusiasm. And the Lions have a high-octane offense, but they do have the worst defense in the NFL as well, too. But, you know, they had won three in a row before that. So it'll be interesting once that conversation comes up again at the end of the year. It seems like an annual conversation. Do the Lions make a coaching change or not? But Dan Campbell has probably done enough, regardless of what happens in the final five games, to uh, keep his job. If you compare what he's done with the Lions compared to what Matt Patricia did, there's no comparison. <laughs> yeah. And they stuck with him for way, way too long. So, no, I, I don't think his job's in jeopardy. Um, they do have to maybe get another defensive coordinator or they got to start spending some draft picks on the defensive side 
of the football I, because yeah they got an offense and remember this isn't math you know Matthew Stafford running this offense anymore you know it's Jared Goff and you know people are mixed emotions with him but he's got them move, going up and down the field and he actually outplayed Josh Allen on Thanksgiving I, I mean they they had an opportunity to win that game it's a shame they didn't I'm glad they didn't for bets that I had in the game but uh, we'll go with that I'll give you another little tidbit moving forward and it's cashing it in an insane rate. I don't know that it can carry on the rest of the season but if you play division games blindly playing the under, you're cashing well over 60% this season. That's amazing. That's you a know, great it stat. Was a, it and was another a, one last night. Yeah, you know? right. Right, and especially with a lot of these NFL you know totals that we're seeing, and a little yeah. bit inflated as, as well too. But it made all the sense in the world for another low-scoring game last night, and we got that. All right, uh, looking ahead here to some Sunday games, and again, we're going to be handicapping uh, the Saturday championship games on the college side. There's plenty of those, and then we'll also be looking at the NFL side uh, as well too, a little bit this hour and then next hour. But let's uh, start with uh, Tennessee and Philadelphia. And this is a very intriguing game, probably the mo- one of the most intriguing games of the weekend coming up on Sunday, is uh, you've got uh, the Tennessee Titans, who still regarded as a top-flight team in the AFC, and the Eagles, fly, Eagles, fly. Uh, they've played some tremendous football, uh, but Philadelphia has allowed 525 yards uh, on the ground in their last four games. They're giving up 131 yards per game. That ranks them 23rd in the NFL. Oh, and by the way, and the reason why I bring this up, guess who they're facing this week? Derrick Henry. Okay, Tennessee is a game is a team that every week, TC, I look at the line and I say, why is this line like this? Okay, they're getting no respect from the the bookmakers, you know, and then maybe that's a question for uh, John Murray as well, because like last week, I scratched my head. I went with Cincinnati uh, because I'm one of those guys when I think a line looks too good, it usually is, <laughs> you know, and Tennessee was a small home dog yeah. to Cincinnati with a be- you know, better record and everything, and now they're getting, this line was five, five and a half. I think it's come down. Four and a half right now, now. Yeah, yeah. And you talk about X's and O's, You've got a bad rush defense against Derrick Henry. So on paper, you think that's a huge advantage for Tennessee. Last week, that Cincinnati-Tennessee game was played in a windstorm. There were 20, 25-mile-an-hour gusts. That's supposed to play into Tennessee's hands as well because they run the football much better than Cincinnati. Okay, here's the stats on Tennessee the last three weeks. With Derrick Henry running the football, 63 yards against Denver. 88 yards against Green Bay and only 63 yards last week against Cincinnati. Total yards rushing. Mm. Explain that to me. Why all of a sudden they can't run the football and they got Tannehill throwing for you know 300 yeah. yards. Yeah, he had a good game against Cincinnati, but they still lost. I can tell you when he has to throw the football that much, Tennessee is not winning football games. Yeah. My answer to that would be, you know, three pretty good run defenses in those teams that you just mentioned. So I'll give you know the defense some credit here. And watching all all three of those games, they were stacking the box as well too. And they're going to try to make Derrick Henry you know beat you, and or rather Ryan Tannehill beat you and stack the box to stop Derrick Henry. And they were pretty successful. Um, you know, and the, the the yards are a little bit misleading last week because I think Henry had one or two you know decent runs, but for the most part, he was either stuffed at the line of scrimmage or even had a couple uh, tackles for losses in that game as well too. But uh, you know, this is the story with with Tennessee. It's like you, you you look at them on paper; they look pretty good. You think, okay, Derrick Henry's going to be an automatic for rushing over 100 yards week in and week out, and that's really not the case. And then Ryan Tannehill, as we know, I mean, he's still injured. Yeah. He's still he's still nursing that injury here, and you don't know what you're going to get with him. Uh, he's very uneven, and uh, so you know, for me, this Tennessee team is. I would like to play them in this situation, say getting four and a half, because I'm one. I love Jalen Hurts. But I just still don't believe that this Philadelphia Eagle team is as good as their record indicates. And I could be wrong with that. Uh, but, you know, I've been on them. They've cashed some tickets for me. Been against them as well, too. But uh, I see this game being like one of those low-scoring games. It it looks that way on paper, and I agree with you. Um, I went against Philadelphia 
the game on Monday night when they played Washington, and I went against them when they played Indianapolis uh, because I was riding the Jeff Saturday yeah. new coach scenario. And you know, until seventeen lose, sixteen in a yeah. game that the Colts should have won, they should have won. Yeah. They lost it in the final minute of that game. Oh. But if you remember. And it was one of the things going into that Washington game on Monday Night Football. I said, this can't continue with ball with Philadelphia. And I said, they have been the turnover machine. They, were getting, they hadn't been turning the ball over, and they were getting turnovers left and right all season long. In entering that Monday Night game, they were number one in turnover margin. And I said, yeah, at some point you look at turnovers and – are they lucky or are, is it a good defense? Well, when you're making interceptions, that's a good defense, unless it's a tip ball and it's up in the air. But when you're recovering fumbles, yeah, you could be the guy that's jarring it loose and you know hard hitting, so you give credit to the defense. But when that ball hits the ground, TC, it's a 50-50 shot who's falling on. Right. Okay, And they were falling on all of them. That has changed in the last three games, and that's why we've seen the little bit of a you know come back to earth on Philadelphia, and all of, and all of a sudden everybody rushes to say, "See, we told you they weren't that good." They're still, a, I still think they're a good football team. And Jalen Hurts, I know a lot of people don't believe in him. I like him. I like his fortitude, the stuff that you know he went through, losing his job at Alabama the way he did, yeah. then go to Oklahoma, and you know. Pick up a new system you Lights know, in, your out. Fi- in your final yeah. year, uh, uh, and then to carry it on to the yeah. NFL. I got a lot of respect for him. Me so, too. Uh, yeah. I like him, and I and I do root for him. All right, uh, Washington and the Giants. Uh, speaking of the NFC East, there in Philadelphia, uh, Washington's a two-point favorite in this game. The Giants have lost three of their last four. Uh, Saquon Barkley is, is struggling. Uh, Twenty-six carries, sixty-one yards in his last two games. Here's the big question, Marco. Are the Giants going to be able to run the football? They're not playing well. This Washington defense has been very staunch, and and they've been doing it without Chase Young. They may get Chase Young back this week, but I want to give Ron Rivera a lot of credit. There is probably no team that is more physical in the NFL than the Washington Commanders. Yeah, and remember what they started the season out. I mean, we were ready to put them in a dumpster fire. And uh, we didn't even know Rivera would be there at the end of the year, and they turned it around. But let's be realistic, TC. They're 6-1 in their last seven games. They've beaten one team with a winning record during that stretch. That one team that they beat with the winning record is the team we just talked about, Philadelphia, and they were on the plus side of the turnovers in that Monday night game. So you know I was against Washington last week, and I told you how that game ended with uh, Atlanta at the goal line and the interception. I'm not sold on them, and you know they're small road favorites, so you know what I'm going to have. I'm going to have some giant teasers, yeah, there you, go. you know, taking them through, yeah, you know, the, yeah. the seven and, you know, getting them over the touchdown. Because I don't see Washington, if they do win this game, I don't see them winning by a margin. Yeah. And this looks to be another divisional low-scoring game. It, yep. re- it really should be. Yeah. And I haven't made up my mind on this game if I'm going to just stay away. But I would probably have to lean towards the Giants on a teaser. But it is concerning. And, again, we kind of knew that the, the Giants were a little fraudulent anyway. Yeah. And, and we're seeing that right now. And if you look at momentum, Washington definitely has more mo- momentum than the Giants have at this point in time. Really like Washington's uh, D. And uh, the, as we know, the Giants uh, have uh, some injuries as well. I'll just leave on this. Washington is 6-0-1 uh, against the spread in their last seven games. 4-0 on the road. And Tyler Heineke, he's 5-0 and uh, during this stretch as well, too. So, uh, he interesting game. He doesn't put up big numbers, yeah. but it just seems like there's a different aura around the team when he's on the field versus Carson Wentz. Right. All right, we're going to take it to the break. We come back. John Murray is going to join us. We'll talk to him about some of these games. We'll talk about the Pac-12 championship game tonight as well, too. We are at the world-famous Superbook, the Westgate Las Vegas, for a fantastic football Friday. Exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. Browns, 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 Bill, Browns, Bill. Friday afternoon here at the Westgate of Las Vegas, the world famous Superbook, and John Murray is hanging out with us before 
He heads over to Allegiant Stadium. I mean, John's going to beat me there. I mean, he's getting an early start, man. I mean, talk about tailgating, whining, and dining. That's what he's going to be doing. There he is, the executive director of Racing Sports, John Murray. What's going on, brother? I'm excited for this game, man. I think it's going to be awesome. This is, the, this is the best of the conference championship games. I agree with I you. I feel like the games tomorrow are so-so. Yeah. You know, the SEC game doesn't interest me. The Big Ten game, not very good, yeah. I don't think. Big 12. Big 12 game is good, but it's at yes. 9 a.m. Yeah, right. You know, I'm still going to be coming down from the result of the USC Netherlands, or USA <laughs> Netherlands game at 9 a.m. I'm not gonna even going to be ready for the Big 12. So I want to ask you about it. Let's start off with that. Uh, 7 a.m. tomorrow night. It's the knockout round of the World Cup. So two-part question here. How has the, the action and the crowds been for these games? And what are you expecting tomorrow at 7 a.m.? Are, are we serving breakfast here with the, with the red, white, and blue? It's knockout round. we got the orange and the Dutch uh, versus uh, Team USA. You know, it, it, the handle hasn't been as good as it was four years ago on a day-to-day basis because it's going up against all this other stuff. Right. I mean, we're, talking, we're talking about the USA-Netherlands game on the same day of all the college football conference championship games, a day before the NFL, a day, uh, college basketball, and NBA, and the Golden Knights is going on. Usually the World Cup has the whole stage to itself. Summertime. The yep. handle is a lot better. Yep. I do think tomorrow, because it's the United States, the round of 16, I think we'll get some good handle for that game. Seven seven a.m. is early, man. Yeah, I know. That, I'm a, just wondering how many early. people are, are going to be here in the book. You know? Can you drink beer at seven a.m.? I what? think you, I think you could drink a beer from still from the night before at seven a.m. Well, listen, if Eng- if England up. was in the seven a.m. game, it'd be no doubt. Those, yeah, they those would Brits would be drinking. <laughs> well, it's a different time zone. Yeah, you know they, they don't know what they don't know what time zone. But I'm just saying those guys like right. to drink twenty four seven. Oh, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, I think we'll get a decent crowd in here. Yeah, Marco's right. The Big 12, that's probably the best game tomorrow mm. of the conference championship games. Yes. It definitely is, actually. Yeah. What am I talking about? It's by far the best. But then the rest of the day is kind of so-so. All right, so let's talk about uh, the game here tonight. Leaves the stadium, sellout. It's going to be great. Uh, meaningful Pac-12 game. Again, playoff implications. USC. Uh, three was the number. I guess it went up to three and a half. We've had some Utah money. Bring it down two and a half. Tell where where it is currently right now, John. Well, we were we were at like two two and a half to start. We got to three Monday morning. We had a one of our players came in and bet fifty five to win fifty fifty five thousand to win fifty thousand on USC minus three. So we actually briefly went to three and a half off that play. Uh, we took a lot of money on Utah. We came back down a lot of sharp money on Utah. Let me specify that, and then a lot of big public bets on USC as recently as a couple hours ago Mm. at minus two and a half. We're still there. Uh, We need Utah pretty big in this game. Mm. Uh, There's a lot of sharp money on the Utes, but there's just some real big public action on USC, which is what we expected. USC is coming in on a roll. The narrative is they win, they're in. It makes sense that the public would be all over USC here, and they are. John, whenever you have a game, and I was talking with TC in the first segment when you're sitting on a three on a this is the standalone game for tonight. I know there's another college football game but all eyes will be on this for, one. For all intents and purposes this is like a primetime NFL game. Mm-hmm. Moving off of three mm-hmm. it's got to you know you got to be careful when you're dancing on north and south of so the three and this sounds like the typical Joes versus pros. Yeah but this isn't the NFL. Okay. So three is not as key of a number in college as it is in pro football. I mean, you're right, we, we, but we, we wouldn't be as hesitant as we would be on an NFL game with a total of 40 mm-hmm. as we would be tonight, as we are tonight. So you're, right, you're definitely right. We don't like getting off three. We don't like to get sighted on three. But we're not treating it like an NFL game. You won't see us, for instance, move to minus three, minus 120 okay. in college football. Or I guess in this case, the better example would be minus two and a half, minus 120. Right. We wouldn't do that in a college game. We do that in the pro games a lot. TCU and K-State tomorrow, 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, it is the Big 12 championship game again. There's that number again, two and a half. I would imagine that you're probably getting some good two-way action here, John. But let's talk a little bit about this game. TCU, obviously undefeated. They're in the same situation as USC. You know, they win, basically they're in. If uh, they lose, there's probably still some some anti-TCU people and anti-Big 12 people, just like there's anti-Pac-12 people because the, they're not used to them, you know, being successful in the college football playoff. 
But uh, this is a rematch, and I remember that game very well. K-State was leading this game 20-10. to 10. They were blowing them out. Okay. And then they had the Adrian Martinez injury, and then here comes Will uh, Howard. Yeah, Will Howard comes in, and I like Will Howard. Don't, I mean, you know, I still have the Adrian Martinez Nebraska in my <laughs> mind. So I've really kind of been, you know, anti-K-State, but I love Deuce Vaughn. Uh, how is – where's the money coming in on this game? There's a lot of sharp guys on K-State. You know, especially when it was at plus two and a half, they were taking K-State points, K-State money line. You know, I don't, uh, I don't understand why Ohio State gets in if one of these two loses. Why? Thank you. Why? Thank you. Why would so? If, if TCU, He's echoing what yeah, I've been saying all if week. If TCU is twelve and zero and USC is eleven and one and Ohio State's eleven and one, and Ohio State doesn't have a game this weekend because they didn't qualify for their yeah. conference's game. They're not Notre Dame. They had a conference championship game to qualify for. They didn't get there. So why would they jump in over these teams that had the same or better records because their teams lost conference championship games if they didn't make it to their conference? Why? Hmm. I agree with you. Explain Ohio, that to me. Ohio State should not be there. USC, if they lose, I can see them falling out. They will fall out. I just T- don't think that they should. TCU, I don't think, falls out unless they get drilled because nobody's played more top 25 teams and beat them than TCU has this year. I mean, you whether and I've been one of the ones that have picked spots trying to go against them this year. I got lucky in the Baylor game and hung on for dear life. The West Virginia game was a fiasco. The That's final. debatable. But I think Baylor should have won that game outright. I don't yeah. know that you got lucky. Absolutely. You got, you got plus two and a half. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that was a good No, no ba- Baylor led from, you yeah. know, from pillar to post, you know, right yeah. there. And uh, no, but an- to answer your question, I'm with you. And again, you know, I- I've been banging on the Alabama uh, drum because Alabama had those two losses by one point on the on the final play of the game. And again, it's still playing the SEC. And, you know, Ohio State, I mean, who have they beaten this year? I mean, really, who have they beaten? It's the same scenario. And, again, we talked about it earlier. You know, Wisconsin is is horrible this year. I mean, Michigan State's horrible. You go right down the list. I mean, Purdue is a 17-point underdog, and they're playing Michigan in the championship game. You get drilled uh, on your home field by 22 points, and you get outscored 35-3 to in the second half. I mean, I don't want to hear Ohio State in the college football playoff. And and Alabama is playing great football. Bryce Young is, is, is fantastic outside of Caleb Williams. Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. It's like the eye test has got to come in on who is playing the best football right now. And Ohio State, it's the brand, John. Unfortunately, it's the brand that is still out there and still relevant to a lot of people. I think Marco's right. I think TCU gets in either way because they're undefeated. So it comes down to does USC beat Utah? And if they do, they get the four spot. If they don't, it goes to Ohio State. But I'll come back and say it again. They're both 11-1. and one. Yeah. And Ohio State doesn't have a game this week, and USC does. So you're going to knock USC out of there because they lost a game while Ohio State sits at home. If you can make sense of that, let me know. I do know this, though. Ohio State would be favored against USC and against TCU. Yeah. So if you want to play the game of who's the best teams, who's the best four teams based on the point spreads, Ohio State is would be considered yeah. better than those teams. But who would be favored Ohio State? Alabama. Alabama would be favorite. Yeah, there you go. And again, oh, not I, by a lot. But but Ohio State has got to be punished for that embarrassing yeah. performance on their home field as a 9-point favorite last week. The committee has no consistency because look when Tennessee lost to South Carolina. They dropped two spots. When Clemson lost to them by one point, Tennessee got drilled, lost by one. Yeah. They dropped all they dropped four spots all the way to 9 taking them far enough out so that if they have an impressive win in the ACC you know, championship, that they can't leapfrog the Ohio State or the Alabama. I'm glad Clemson's not in it. Oh, I, I agree with Clemson it, but there's no consistency. No, well, there's no, right. Are you going to miss this when they go to 12 teams? It's not going to be as fun to cry over the 13th team. <laughs> yeah, no we, one's going to we'll care. Be doing. But you will have that anticipation of, yeah. of these matchups, though. All right, final thing sure. before we let you go. Be NFL side um, – your, uh, give us some line movements. Uh, you guys are monitoring uh, right now. You know, we, we've seen some sharp guys on the Niners. It's a really good game in the afternoon. Miami at San Francisco. The Niners are four-point favorite. Seen some sharp guys on Dallas. And early in the week, we saw a lot of sharp money on Pittsburgh. They've been coming back this afternoon on Atlanta. So good two-way there in that game. And same thing in the Jacksonville game. They were taking Jacksonville early in the week, and I've seen some good guys on the Lions 
the games this week are actually pretty good, and I never say that about the NFL. I think the uh, better than what the, we've seen the last few weeks. The yeah. afternoon games yeah. are pretty solid. Except the, the, getting stuck with Indianapolis on Sunday night football. That's ridiculous. That, that <laughs> we should have had ridiculous. we should have had Miami San Francisco. Well, yeah, flexed Miami's game. flexing the Sunday night football the week after. Right. Yeah. That's that, why. That's a pretty cool game. Miami's yeah. a red hot team. You are fun to watch. You don't want to see Matt Ryan again after no. seeing him last week? No. How to, get your Steelers. <laughs> I had the Steelers, and I, loved, and I loved the outcome of the game, but Jeff Jeff Saturday I had the just butchered, butchered well, the, that watching, final minute and a half of it. Watching that game, I really like sincerely felt bad for people that went out on the Raiders against the Colts and Survivor. Mm-hmm. Like I had, a, I had a good, I had a good buddy that went out on that one, and he was so upset. And watching the Colts play that game yeah. was like, how on earth did the Colts win again at the Raiders? And that was Saturday's debut. Yeah. How did that happen? It happened because the Raiders were on, yeah. were, their defense was on the field way too much, yeah. and that's the Raiders' defense. And and unfortunately, you're going to see that same defense against the yeah. Chargers on Sunday too. I'm afraid. And the Raiders, who they are, they were surprised. I mean, I was surprised. I mean, we never found out till like 90 minutes before game time that Matt Ryan was exactly. was, was going to yeah. quarterback that I, game. I didn't know. I, I was going to the. I was getting ready to sit in my seat, and I see him out there warming up. I go, what? Yeah. <laughs> so that's different. True. We'll let you go, my friend. We appreciate it. As always, uh, we'll see you at the game tonight. We'll be having some fun out there. So uh, I'll be there. I'm rooting yep. for USC. I know you got a USC shirt on. I'm rooting for Caleb Williams and the Trojans. Even though the book needs Utah, just don't tell anybody too important. <laughs> you know, I, I, no, I, nobody I, here should jump. I hope yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, hopefully none of the, I, I'm, I'm rooting for chaos. So, therefore, I'm rooting for Utah. I want chaos. You're wearing a USC shirt. I didn't have a Utah one. Ah, well, there it is. Then just go, uh, go neutral. neutral. Yeah, right. go I got to get the spirit, my friend. All right. I okay. Get it. I get it. And I can say fight on with the best of them. Okay. So, there it is. Fine. And you got to remember that, you know, I'm usually around some UCLA alumni, and I can never wear this shirt around right. guys like Jay Schrader and <laughs> Double B and people Double like that. B, yeah. so so, uh, you know, I, it's very rare that I can I wear this. So there you go. So you need an excuse to wear it. Thank you. I respect it. And it looks good, doesn't it? Absolutely. There you go, my friend. All right. <laughs> you look good in your Westgate garb, too. Take care, <laughs> brother. We appreciate you. John Murray, the executive director here of the uh, Superbook here at the Westgate Las Vegas. All right. Marco, we got a lot to talk about here, man. There's, you know, the best bets are coming next hour. Um how much did you struggle when you were looking at, at, your, at your best bets, especially on the college side here? Because granted, you know, the, it's, it's a shorter, you know, week, weekend, yeah. as we know, but all these games have something meaningful, even going down to the AAC game and, and some of these other games, you know, as well, too, the MAC and, and everything else. I had no problem with the first two best bets. The, the third best bet, I I was back and forth and you know cuz I could make a case for some of these games for both sides TC right you know, and it's correct we got a limited uh, schedule and you're at the end of the season everybody knows everything there is to know about these teams there's no we're not finding any hidden value come this week and the the lines are tight and we've seen that and as John said you know we've got a couple games where we're sitting at the 3 and the 2 and a half and granted as he said you know the three's not as crucial of a number in college football as it is in the NFL. But when we're making the bets, it still bothers me if I'm you know which side of the three I'm on. You yeah. know, depending who I sure. am. Sure. Yeah. And uh, we'll see what happens with it. But uh, I think the most one of the most interesting games, and it's when we get the best bets, it's it's one of mine. But the handicap on the North Carolina Clemson game, mm. because Clemson did get kind of screwed as far as they got dropped. Do I think they deserve to have still been in the mix? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you set a precedent a week earlier where how far you dropped Tennessee against the same opponent, and it was a situation where one team got blown out and the other one lost by one, and you penalized the, the team that only lost by one four spots. Where Where is the logic and the, the consistency? And I know in the grand scheme... Clemson's not had as good of a year as they've had in the past, and this defense has problems. They've given up a lot of points Mm -hmm. to several teams, and they're going to be playing a team that goes up and down the field in North Carolina, but North Carolina is a team that can't stop anybody. Mm -hmm. Does Dabo Sweeney get this team fired up to play this game? I think it's going to be a fun game where both teams are going to go up and down Mm -hmm. the field. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is one of my best bets, and like it is my number three. 
because it's, it, my, it's my number three. It's too. my number three too, and and I haven't looked, so I don't know which side that you are on. But for me, I believe in Dabo Sweeney, and again, uh, Carolina for me, the defense is the difference, and and I will say this, you know, in the best bet segment that I think that Clemson is going to come up with a couple more stops than North Carolina, and I think they will be ready to play. And as far as as Clemson goes. You know, I was on Clemson last week, and I thought that they would take care of business, and they didn't. And again, it's a it's a two loss team that uh, you know should have been in the conversation. I mean, granted, I mean they were rolling, you know, pretty much. Uh, you know, they had the Notre Dame game, and that was an embarrassing, right. you know. But you can maybe forgive that a little bit if they finish strong and they blow out, you know, South Carolina, which they they should have, you know. And then when you look at Clemson still playing for the conference championship, they're still undefeated in the conference because that was a non-conference game. So when you're looking at the records, like, what, 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 wait, they just got beat last week. And if, you know their home dominance. I mean, and that's why, you know what. Okay. It's, it's, cra- it's crazy. But that number is just toying with me, though. It's seven and a half. It's like, uh, you know, it's like it makes me leery about laying the seven and a half. Let me ask you this. If the score was reversed last week and they won by one point, you're the, on the committee. Where would you have had Clemson this week? A win's a win. A win's a win. So they're they're, they're there. Would, I mean, they have, they're, would they have been four over over USC, or would they have been no, fifth over no, Ohio State? They, I think they would be five. I believe that they would be five. Yeah, and then again they would. Uh, you know that, that would probably you know not knock Alabama. But then again, who do I think is a better team? I think Alabama is the better team. I think Alabama is getting punished because they have two losses, and that's what irritates me sometimes. It's like, okay, well they got two losses. You got to examine the two losses. Who are the two uh, losses against? How did it happen? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, you know. For me, that Clemson Notre Dame loss. I mean, that speaks volumes about well, wow, you got drilled by the Irish. You know, and then Notre Dame, they could have helped themselves last week as well, could have helped Clemson, but then, you know, they get beat by USC. So, yeah, it, it's imperfect, and it will continue to be imperfect for another year when you're dealing with only four playoff teams. That's why I, I want to get where we get to, you know, are the you knockout surprised? round, the knockout are, stage where you, are you you're playing. Are you surprised they went to 12? I thought we would. I would have been seven. fine with eight. I would have been fine with eight. Uh, 16 would be, I think, ridiculous because it just defeats your purpose that you've been saying for the last 30 or 40 years of, oh, you're extending the season too much and there's too much wear and tear and all this other kind of stuff. Then then keep it at eight. And, again, if you're not in the top eight, you've got no recourse right. to debate anyway. But, you know, again, if we have eight right now, I can guarantee you that Alabama's going to, you know, ha- has a shot to to get to the championship game or or win it, and so would Clemson, depending on the matchups. I'm not surprised that we got to 12. I'm surprised that we went straight to 12. Yeah. I thought that there might be a hybrid where either a six or an eight. In I even like the concept of of the six because we all one and two never seems to be a problem with the rankings. If you had a six playoff team. You have one and two has the bye. You have the other four playoff yeah. to get into, you know, so you only are creating one extra game. This is, cre- you know, this is creating a lot. And, you know, there'll still be debates. That's what we're here to do. We'll be talking about number 13 <laughs> just missing. And why I don't they think say- we will be, Marco. I really don't. Because, again, right now, are we even talking about... Penn State, who's a top ten team, we're not even talking about them. We're not. We're not going to be talking about because there's nothing 13. to talk about. Yeah, it, yeah I know. I, I get you, but and again, I don't think any of us are going to think a team that who is the 10, 11, or twelve seed has a legitimate shot at winning the national championship. Just for the most part, the only time we talk about a twelve seed in the NCAA tournament because oh, they they've upset the five so much, but we're never talking about the twelve really winning a national championship. We've had. The Cinderellas make the the you know the Elite Eight and the Final Four, and what by expanding it to twelve, what it will do TC is sometimes we have those teams that have wholesale changes, and we know the blue chip programs just reload year after year, but some of the lesser um, schools don't have that luxury, and they're they're incorporating young players in at the beginning of the season, so you might stub your toe 
once or twice early in the season. But at the end of the season, that team is nowhere near the team that started because they grew and matured. We see that in basketball all the time with John Calipari teams and that where you know he rolls them over. They start out slow in November. It build up steam December, February, and then they hit the ground running in March. You're going to get some hot teams that are going to be that 10, 11, or 12th team that started bad but's finishing strong. And I want to see some of those hot teams get in there that could make noise. And I think where the debate is going to come in that 10, 11, and 12, it won't be so much from, say, the mid-range or higher mid-range from the Power 5 conferences like uh, Ole Miss or Mississippi State, somebody like that. It's going to be with the Cincinnati's, the UCF's, and say if Boise State gets back on track and they run the table or they go – you know, uh, you know, uh, have a, a ten and one or a ten and two season. We're going to be talking about Boise State versus UCF, or Boise State against Tulane, or a Cincinnati, or somebody like that, or maybe somebody. We get back to the way it was maybe uh, ten, fifteen years ago, where a Miami of Ohio or somebody out of the MAC, you know, is prevalent again. I think those are the conversations we're going to have at, at the tail end of that bracket. As a true fan, not maybe necessarily as a better, but as a true fan, I like that because that's that's the aura of. March Madness. Mm-hmm. It's any you know, any given moment somebody can upset somebody, and you get those Cinderellas, and we all love that. How about when Loyola made the run a few yes. years ago with Sister Jean? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, every show that we did, you know, yeah. and they were playing a day. It was it was a story, yeah. and you love that team. You know, you're rooting for the underdog because we are a society that likes to root for the underdogs. You mm-hmm. you want to see them, you know. Samson and you know you you want to slay the giant <laughs> right, you know? right. that'll be fun and they deserve a shot just because they play in a small conference but they do their job they beat everybody in their conference and maybe have one good out of conference game they deserve a chance mm-hmm. can they win it no but that's what this is doing it's going to give that the the team out of the you know uh, American Atlanta or whatever you know American Athletic yeah. a chance they're going they're going to get a yeah. berth you know and I think that's what that's going to do so we'll give them a shot and again we saw you know Cincinnati knocking on the door you know you know last year right. but you know end up short you know and TCU's has been on the outside looking in before right. as well. So, you know, it's it's a good story for them to make it, and that's why I think if they do lose, I think they're the one team of the of the four that's not going anywhere. I mean, the and that, one and, and two yeah. is not going anywhere. And that's anywhere. an interesting conversation, you know, again, because I, I'll go back to the, the Big 12, and again, I just don't think that there is a lot of love on that committee for a Big 12 team because they – you know, TCU is different. I mean, they got a good defense, but it's not the TCU defense we've seen in years past. We're still used to seeing, you know, these 55 to, you know, you know, uh, 49 games and, you know, 45, 42 type of games. So it, it'll be interesting. But again, hey, uh, tonight, USC and uh, Utah, USC has a chance to make a statement. TCU has a chance to make a, a statement. And K-State uh, is on the, you know, on the upset train for tomorrow. So, We'll talk more about those games uh, when we come back. All right, it is a fabulous Friday here at the world-famous Superbook, the non-smoking Superbook. Got to love it here. Great weekend. And don't forget, tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., USA versus Netherlands World Cup. The knockout round begins, the round of 16. That'll be exciting as well, too. Marco, you getting up earlier? You just going to, like, check the score? I'll check the score. Check the score. There you go. All right. right, We come back. We'll start breaking down the NFL. And plus our best bets coming your way. Trevor Maddich will be joining us as well live from the Westgate here on this fantastic football Friday. It is a T.C. Martin show from the Westgate of Las Vegas. 